I believe that veterans are the key to unlocking America's next golden age. By empowering and influencing one million veterans to transition well and become leaders in their communities, we can unlock our country's destiny and continue to change the world. My name is Bernard Bergen. Steve Russell is a fifth-generation Oklahoman who represents Oklahoma's 5th Congressional District. Mr. Russell attended Wachita Baptist University, where he earned a BA in public speaking and served as Cadet Corps Commander of the ROTC Cadets. Shortly after, he was commissioned a second lieutenant in the U.S. Army Infantry. Throughout his 21-year military career, Mr. Russell served more than seven years overseas, and he commanded a unit that played a key role in the hunt and capture of Saddam Hussein during Operation Iraqi Freedom. Following his military service, Mr. Russell opened a small rifle manufacturing business and served as a state senator for four years before being elected to the 114th Congress in 2014. Mr. Russell serves on the Armed Services Committee, Oversight and Government Reform Committee, and the Steering Committee. He's married to his college sweetheart, Cindy, and has five adult children. Now, you had a long military career. What would you say, looking back to your younger self, that you needed to know at age 18? Well, I think there's a couple of things. You know, there are things bigger than ourselves. I think this idea of serving, we call it the service because you're putting the country before yourself. I think that that can help you whether you enter the military service uh, or if you're going to serve in a community or you're going to do some type of national service of some kind. I wish that more of our youth had an appreciation for give to your country and then, you know, your country will give back to you in spades. And then the other thing I think is that two things I would say, your own forward momentum will always create opportunity. You may head for something that you see in a direction that you think you want to go, and you may not realize what it was that you were heading for. But the fact that you were moving forward, you crossed paths with some other opportunity that may have just been put in your path for a reason. But if you sit and do nothing, you get nothing. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing is be persistent. Don't ever quit. Only we can take ourselves out of the fight. Yeah, I think that's very clear. When you get to give talks, to inspire those who are considering serving, what message do you usually share? Well, I think certainly people view those that serve the military with respect and honor. I think that that's essential for our nation to hold our men and women in uniform in high esteem because they defend our republic. If we were to trash those who are willing to risk their lives to defend our freedoms, we wouldn't see very many of them being willing to do it. So I do think we, as a nation, need to continue to afford honor and respect to those that defend us. And, you know, it's, it's very important that we do that. Absolutely. Now, question along the same lines, do you see more younger people drawn to service or do you think it's slowing down? Well, we have one of the smallest militaries per capita that we've ever had. We are 30% smaller as a force than we were in 1940. We had 180 million souls uh, in the United States in 1940, and you know we've got 320 or close there to today. And yet, numbers-wise, in proportion, it's about the same in raw numbers, but percentage of the population, it's far, far fewer that serve. And I think that um, there are some factors for that in all voluntary force. Uh, we do have some 
very high quality people. But if we're going to make such demands on so few, we have a moral obligation to back them with every resource and with every commitment. But I do think that more and more people are less and less connected to those that serve. Mm. Wow. Okay, question along the same lines. With such a small force and so many service members preparing to transition, how do we continue to attract people to our military and to just serve when we have both dynamics at play? Well, I think you'll always have a class of people that it's kind of in their DNA to be protectors. And these are the types of people that will join uh, law enforcement uh, or they'll join uh, the fire service or they'll become emergency uh, medical technicians or they'll go into the military or whatever. It's just kind of in their DNA to try to be protectors and try to help people. And so we need to recruit from those that are willing already. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I think that you will have those that uh, you know, they just want to do some hard things. Uh, they, they'd like to do something that they can look back on with pride, uh, you know, after having sweat on their brow and achy muscles. And, and, you know, they don't intend to serve for an entire career, but they want to go and do some hard things up front. Well, you know, we need to recruit the adventurous types that are willing to go do difficult things. And all of that's honorable. We need more uh, privates and we need generals. I mean, so you got to have, you know, larger numbers uh, at, at the uh, earlier jobs uh, simply because we need them. Uh, so we shouldn't turn away those that have an adventurous spirit that maybe only want to serve one enlistment. That's fine. Mm-hmm. We need them. And so, you know, find among those that are willing because it's an investment. But then also we have to continue to show that military service is a good thing and that it would provide you opportunity. It provides you discipline. Uh, it provides you uh, an ability to work with people of various backgrounds and, and uh, uh, allows you to build a team uh, from people that uh, you know, might not have ever been thrown together in the civilian world. Uh, so I, I think it's important to promote a lot of the good things that military service can help people. I know I certainly would not, I can't even fathom what my life would be without my military service. Hmm. Wow. Okay, let's talk about your life beyond the service. And if you can, one word answer, when I say military transitions, what word comes to mind? Well, it's hard to put in just one word, but I would still call it service, I suppose. Uh, What you find is many of those that leave the military, they continue, they can't sit idle for long. They still feel the need to get out and improve things and help in their community and and to try to offer to improve things that are around them, be good stewards of the things that they have. So, you know, there is service after the service. Uh, There's also life after the service. And, you know, we we shouldn't be afraid of those transitions. We should use the experiences that we gain and use them to build on. Mm -hmm. Now, as you wrapped up your military career, did you see yourself clearly in what you're doing now? Or is it, as you mentioned, as you started moving, opportunities opened and you just continued to serve? Well, we often will go in a direction of things that have an interest to us. And and after serving in the military for more than two decades and fighting in a few wars, and, you know, yeah, I always had an interest in foreign policy and politics because you never knew where crazy politicians were going to send you, you know, so you always wanted to be really connected to what was going on in case some 
troubled spot occurred and you had to be ready uh, when you're leading soldiers and trying to keep them alive on a battlefield. And so the political interests were always there, although I never imagined I would be serving as a congressman. One thing led to another uh, where I entered uh, politics. And, and so in that respect, I guess forward momentum did create opportunity later. But it was never something when I left the service, oh, I'm going to go be a congressman. I, I never imagined that that would have happened. Wow. Well, I know the impact that you get to have in your current role only extends the impact that you've had while serving. When you share with others reasons for your success, what military values are the ones you highlight first? Well, my own personal faith plays a, a large role of that. I'm mindful of the 75th Psalm where it says in verse is four through six. It says, lift not your horn on high, neither speak with a stiff neck, for promotion does not come from the east or west or the south, but promotion comes from the Lord. He puts down one and he lifts up another. I guess my personal faith has settled the questions for me of origin, of purpose, and of destiny. And when you have that kind of peace about things, then you know, you're able to move with your life to try to make good on it, to try to do something productive, to try to have an impact and uh, make it useful. And I would guess that the traits that have made me successful uh, in my youth and even in my adult life would be determination to learn from setbacks. But if I'm determined to do something, uh, to don't quit. To keep after it. I think back to my time uh, as a soldier. First time I went to ranger school, I tore ligaments in the mountain phase and you know, was medically dropped from the course. That was a real bummer. A year later, I was graduating from ranger school, having gone through the entire course without skipping a beat. I determined to go back. Um, I think about uh, when I wrote my memoir, uh, We Got Him, which was published by Simon & Schuster. I was rejected by 15 publishers after I wrote it. And the publisher that finally accepted me was the first one to reject me, which was Simon & Schuster. <laughs> so so de determination is crucial. You can't quit on things that you have a passion for and that you can clearly see a vision or a path to get there. If you can see a vision or a path to get there, go for it. Now, I'll never be an NBA basketball star. I don't have the height or the skill. I can wish I were something that I don't have the capacity to do, and that's not going to get me there. So you have to put determination in the right context. In skill sets that I have and that I think I can do, I should be as vigorous as I can be in things where it's obvious that, look, you know, you're never going to be seven foot tall and you're never going to be an NBA star. So forget it. You got to know, like Clint Eastwood said in you know, one of his Dirty Harry movies, that, you know, a man's got to know his limitations. You know? <laughs> so you got to know what you are good at and you got to know what you're not so good at also. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was very actionable. Now, to employers, as they think about employing veterans, what do you find yourself usually sharing with business owners? Well, if you like somebody that was up uh, to work on time, that is used to working with a very diverse team. If you like somebody that is not going to need a lot of supervision after you give them a task, if you like somebody that's going to work uh, to, you know, and keep working until the job is accomplished, hire a veteran. Yeah. Okay. Now to the veteran service community, as they face what could be the biggest uh, generation of veterans, 
what would you say to keep them motivated in serving those who served and reminding them that the possibilities are endless after their service? Well, I would tell veterans that come home, either from war or uh, those that come home from honorable service, don't be that guy. Don't be that gal that's out there looking to be the victim. Oh, I just reject that. You know, oftentimes you come home and the public at large, you know, they do appreciate our service, but at the same time, they're not really sure how to deal with this, especially our combat veterans. When we come home, they're not really sure how to treat us. That's fine, but don't play into that mentality and play the martyr or that, you know, somehow I deserve this or that, or I've got to have some disability when I'm able-bodied or that, uh, you know, the government owes me or this type. I mean, that is not selfless service. And I think sometimes veterans can fall victim to that unintendedly at first, but then over time, then we become kind of angry people that we ought to still have a giving heart. We ought to still have a heart for service. Let's save the resources for those that are truly in need. I have a man on my staff, Rusty Dunnigan, that deals with all of my Veterans Affairs coordination, and he is missing both legs and his left arm. He's Oklahoma's only triple amputee, and he works on a congressional staff, puts himself in his pickup every day, and he goes to work, and he helps other veterans. So, you know, if we think we're having a bad day, we're not having a bad day. If we're complaining about uh, some hangnail because we didn't get what we thought we deserved when we were in the service, hey, save that. Reject that. Give it to those that really, really, truly need it, like somebody missing three limbs, and save those resources for those that are in true need. And I think sometimes we can fall victim to that, and we shouldn't. As veterans, we should live with honor, and we should not become that guy or that gal that's, uh, you know, the loud squeaky wheel trying to get things that maybe we don't need. Yeah, I think that's clear. And it's just a good reminder that selfless service is still something that we should hold as evidence that we served. Right. Okay. What book would you recommend to the Veterans Leadership Blog podcast listeners? Gosh, I, I love to read. I'm a voracious reader. If you're still serving and you're a leader, I would say read Once an Eagle by Anton Myra, written in the late 1960s. Fantastic book. It's about two soldiers. One succeeds for all the wrong reasons and one succeeds for all the right reasons, but they both succeed and they end up in conflict with one another. It's a great study of leadership, one of the finest uh, novels ever written on leadership and soldiering. Once an Eagle by Anton Myra. I think if you're interested in, uh, you know, just human spirit, incredible feats of survival and, and determination, there was a book written by a fellow Oklahoman. Uh, he's dead now, a World War II veteran, but his name was Sidney Stewart, and he wrote a powerful book called Give Us This Day. He was a staff sergeant that was uh, stationed in the Philippines in October of 1941. And within a few months, he was fighting for his life on the Bataan Peninsula and then was captured by the Japanese, did the Bataan Death March and endured a level of human suffering that I, I would not think any human being could ever endure. Very inspirational story. And again, you know, if you think you're having a bad day, you look at these people and it just makes you want to get up, quit feeling sorry for yourself and go do some good. If you like lighthearted reading and uh, different things, uh, gosh, 
you know, I, I'm a big fan of the far side stuff with Larson, you know, his <laughs> books. He, he just looks at the world in just a crazy way. And uh, you can have a lot of humor there. And you need humor. You know, you got to have the ability to look at things from a, a different angle sometimes. Uh, on the political uh, arena, I'm a big uh, history fan. I don't read a lot of nonfiction, uh, but I'm a big history fan. Doris uh, Carnes Goodwin's book, Team of Rivals, about Abraham Lincoln, one of the mm. finest things written about leadership and about putting together diverse teams. And then you also gain the perspective that, you know, not much has changed in our country over the years in terms of political bickering and fighting and, and all of that. But there's there's so many good books out there. I have a huge library, and I I love to read. There's also a great uh, book. Uh, Primo Levi uh, wrote a book, If This Is a Man, and he's written other things. Uh, he was a an Italian Jew that uh, is one of the very few survivors of Auschwitz that was in Auschwitz for more than a year, hmm. uh, which was very rare. Most of them were a matter of weeks, and. Uh, Again, it's just a story of incredible endurance and inspiration as you read what these people went through. I think sometimes we need to be inspired. And if we're down in the doldrums and think that, you know, woe is me and I, I can't do anything, well, that's that's a bunch of nonsense. You know, read read some inspiring stories like these. I would be remiss if I didn't mention uh, the Gospels, the inspiration of Jesus Christ and his incredible life and how he paid the debt for our sins to give us a vision and a new purpose uh, and even the salvation of our souls. Christ had said, if, you know, what should it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? It's a question to ponder, and you can read more about that in the, uh, in the Gospels and the New Testament. Mm -hmm. Wow. I think you gave us our summer reading list. Now, the floor is yours. Any parting piece of guidance and where can our listeners learn more about you, uh, what you do there in Congress, and sure. all the good you're continually doing in Oklahoma? My bio is on uh, Wikipedia. It's pretty accurate. Try to keep up with it, make sure that you know people don't poison it. You know? mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's out there. You can learn about my leadership and my personal experiences related to the hunt and capture of Saddam. In my memoir, uh, We Got Him. Uh, which is published by Simon & Schuster. It's still out there. Um, you can find out about the latest political things that we're doing on our official website at russell.house.gov. And you can subscribe to our newsletter where we try to keep people informed of the latest things that are going on. We also have you know, Facebook. Uh, we're on uh, Facebook there with Congressman Steve Russell. That would be the uh, page there. If you want to know about my business and uh, some of the things that we do, uh, Two Rivers Arms, you can go to uh, our Facebook page at Two Rivers Arms and see all of the cool things that my, my team out there works on and does. There's just a lot of things out there. Uh, Patriot Profiles uh, is uh, releasing one of their latest documentaries in a two-part series about my life that will come out, uh, I think, the first or second week of June. Okay. So that will be out there. Uh, so there's a lot of resources out there where people could learn more. And then as far as parting words, there would be two. Don't quit. Well, thank you, Congressman Russell. I think everything you said, you know, each listener can take to heart. They can apply today. And I love that, you know, you ended with don't quit. I know our service members, those who love and support them, and most importantly, our veterans definitely need to hear those words. 
Well, thank you and uh, appreciate the opportunity and wish you well in, in your uh, future podcast and the work you're doing. Thank you again. Thanks. 